Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Wildwoods Hippie. Make sure to find their unique one-of-a-kind products for a -a one-of-a-kind individual like yourself. From home care, candles, self-care, and everything in between, make sure you give them a follow at wildwoodshippie.com or also make sure to check out their Instagram, wildwoodshippie. I often forget the impact that sharing our journey has. Most of the time, I still think I'm just posting for my friends and family like I did most of my millennial life. But every once in a while, reality sets in. Today, I turned 34. Yeah, yeah it's my birthday. And that seems really fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hey guys, and welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life with Little. Yep, we talk about everything, as it said in the bio, that we seem to think but don't say. Does that mean that life is pretty and easy? No, absolutely not. Does that mean that everything in life is simple? Yeah, we know that that's not true. Today we have an amazing guest with us. You have seen her all over TikTok. You've seen her on the news. You've seen her pretty much anywhere that social media can grab your attention and pull you in. It is Life with Grams. And what are we talking about today? We're talking about Alzheimer's. So many people always ask, what is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? I don't understand. So basically, Alzheimer's is just a disease that is specific for the actual brain, while dementia is just a general term. Um, It is marked by symptoms that gradually get worse over time, and Alzheimer's first affects the part of the brain associated with learning. So the early symptoms often include changes in memory, like the memory, thinking, and reasoning skills. So we have Life with Grams here today. How's it going? It's going good. Um, Just another day in the life, getting grams up and ready to go. She's coloring right now. So I have a few minutes to do this, (laughs) but it's going well. I want to say thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable and allowing us to see your day-to-day life because so many people think that caregiving is just when you're needed and when you're needed is 24-7 all the time. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand what I actually do on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people are like, oh, you must have such an easy life. You just like watch your grandma. No, (laughs) Um, I do a lot more than watch her. I try to take care of everything. Um, Alzheimer's is progressive, so it has gotten worse over time. So the stage that my grandma is at now, she needs a lot of attention and she needs a lot of help in all of her daily activities of life. Mm Mm-hmm. We always see on your live videos, if you have not checked out her live, you have to go check it out. You're either doing her hair, telling her, don't touch that, don't eat that, what are you doing, move here, move there. So it's literally, I worked in neurology for so long, and so many people don't understand. You almost were born, we learn behavior, and then when you get to this aspect of your life, you're almost relearning new behavior, and everything is sensory, everything is hands-on, everything is almost like a child. We revert backwards. It's everything we see and touch has to be tasted or eaten or touched. And there's always that when they're done, they're done. There's always an escape route or an exit. Like there's no keeping them. If they're ready to go, they're out. 
Oh, yes. This is Graham's world. I literally just live in it. I just try to keep her as safe as possible because her brain changes so quickly and so constantly on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, daily, something that worked yesterday might not work today um, because the brain is really wild. It's quite fascinating. Um, I really do a lot of redirecting and just trying to get her on the right track because like you said, they're losing those abilities. You know, um, yesterday or the day before she ate lotion. She thought it looked good. I mean, I don't blame her. It was creamy. It looked nice. She just put a whole big swab in her mouth and went for it. And I was like, ooh, I was quick, but I wasn't quick enough. It went in her mouth. She ate it. And there are things like that that you will just not understand the why. You can't figure out why they're doing these things. The why is Alzheimer's. Um, her brain is deteriorating. She is progressing and losing her abilities. So it is definitely a hands-on job. It's a constant um, go, go, go. Uh, right now, she has her little quiet time, so I'm very thankful she's focused on coloring. But again, that can change at any moment, mm -hmm. so you never know. <laughs> she, <laughs> she might, might join us. Hop <laughs> up and say hello. Exactly. With, with caregiving, so many people just consider a caregiver someone that is either a family member or a paid helper who regularly looks after someone that is disabled or elderly. And so many people in the society, and that's why we're doing this episode, people think that with Alzheimer's, you are disabled. You're still there. Your emotions are still there. Your feelings are still there. So being a caregiver is huge because they don't tell you, yes, there is a sense of loss for the person that you had, but it's so surprising of the loyalty and the gratitude and the joy that they have and they bring into your life because there's still like this one video of yours when she's like, I love you. And I trust you. I think I've watched that like 500 times. I'm like, <laughs> me too. <laughs> that is the connection there that so many people miss that, that connection and that bond because they're still your loved one. They're still your family, but you have such a, such a, a stronger bond with them because you're sharing this part of their life that they have no idea what to do next either. So you're kind of like learning together as you go. Oh, it's definitely a learning process. And what I always like to say is that they don't forget love. I think a lot of times when caregivers are taking care of a loved one with Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, um, they internalize it personally. They take it personal. And so it's very hard for them to get past that situation. Like, why can't I call you grandma? I'm your granddaughter. Why don't you like when I call you grandma? What do you mean I'm not your granddaughter? And a lot of people internalize that instead of just saying, you know what? It doesn't matter what I call you because the love is there. They don't forget love. Love is a feeling. It's not in the brain. So for me, I really try to just constantly exude positive energy and love towards her so she does feel safe. So she does feel wanted. So she does feel secure. I think a lot of times in their own mind, I mean, I can't speak for someone with dementia because I'm just caring for one with dementia, but I personally feel that they're frustrated and lost and they want that reassurance. Um, so making it easier for her to be able to live a full life and be happy, I want to show her that the love is still there and we're still capable of experiencing feelings and emotions like that. I love that. I'm sure you get asked this question 5 billion times and you've answered it like no other, especially on TikTok with all your followers. Um, what made you as the granddaughter step up and be the caregiver? What was that? Was there like a crucial <laughs> moment or what made you step in and say, you know what, this role is for me? So me and my grandma going back 
my whole entire life, we've been two peas in a pod. Um, my grandma helped raise me. She lived with us for most of my childhood. And then my family moved to Las Vegas when I was a teenager and I didn't want to leave New York. So I stayed with my grandma and my grandma helped raise me as a teenager. So I just have had the best bond with my grandma. And when it came time, I just knew that me and my grandma had a special relationship and that I wanted to be the one to help her. My whole life, my grandma always talked about death and she always talked about, you know, one day I'm not going to be here. And um, her mom was placed in a nursing home and she had always just said, please just love and care for me. Um, even if I don't know I'm here, just love me as if I did. And so that's really when I saw her starting to progress, I knew that there had to be a way for us to, to help and to, to live a better life. Mm -hmm. We always see for those who are not familiar with this progressive disease, sensory is huge. So it's also, like I said, with that escape route or that escape exit, it's having the locks on your doors from the inside. It's having baskets and things that they can be hands-on. So for those who are listening, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Let's say on a good day, because we know that not every day is a good day. So what is like a normal, typical day look like for you as a caregiver? Okay, so routine is extremely important. I have noticed with people with Alzheimer's, the first thing we do when she wakes up is we go to the restroom. Um, incontinence is a big issue as people progress with dementia. So I try to keep on top of that. We go to the bathroom, wash her face, get her ready. We'll come, she'll help me with breakfast. I try to keep her as involved in daily activities as possible. So even if she can't cook anymore, she can help whisk the eggs or she can help clean the dishes or do something to keep her involved in life. So then we have breakfast. After breakfast is usually when we do our cleanup time, relaxing time. So she'll color or we'll do an arts and crafts thing together. Sometimes we'll go on a walk. Um, we do kind of do the same thing every day to just try to keep it um, going and keep it moving and grooving as best as possible. I'm very fortunate that we have an amazing care squad, my family. We have um, my niece and nephew who are young kids, uh, my sister and my mom and my brother-in-law who all enjoy being around my grandma. So usually around two o'clock or three o'clock in the day, we'll head on over to their house and we'll just hang out as a family. It's all hands in, all hands on. So I'm not the sole person having eyes on grandma. It's really a family environment. And that has been such a wonderful blessing for all of us. Um, it's multi-generational and we all get to be included. So we usually have dinner at my sister's house, hang out, do a bunch of things as a family, and then we'll come home and we'll get ready for the night. With the moments where let's say you're having a frustrating day and you said you almost feel like they're frustrated as well. I think the number one key thing is to remain calm, as calm as you can possibly be as the caregiver and as the loved one. So when they're having that moment and maybe with, um, I mean, I know a lot of people, they're like, well, they're not verbal or they can't speak and tell me what they're feeling or what their frustration is. How do you work through that? Especially when it is your loved one and, and you know, kind of who they are and how they interacted before versus now with the disease. How do you go through that? I really pick up on visual cues. My grandma can't make full sentences. She doesn't have the right words for expressing herself. So it's really all about the tone of how she um, verbalizes what she's trying to say, or even just her mannerisms and her behavior. I really try to focus and figure out Caregiving for a loved one with dementia is kind of like mind reading. You have to know, are you hungry? Are you hot? Do you have a, a runny nose? Do you need to go to the bathroom? It's just figuring it out. 
um, the best that you can. And yes, it's extremely frustrating as a human being watching your loved one, even knowing that it's the dementia. I'm not a perfect angel. I try my best to remain positive and calm, but there are some days where I physically, emotionally can't handle it. I'm just like, ah, but the most important thing to do is to not show those emotions. I truly believe that people with Alzheimer's feel your energy. They, they bounce back and forth with what you're giving. I know when my grandma's being a real bitch, <laughs> it's probably because I'm not in a good mood and I, I will take ownership of that. It's just the reality of it. When she's kind of snotty and, and a little standoffish, it's probably because I'm tired or I'm not giving the full 100%. Take time for you. That self-care is so important. Um, there are times when my grandma, I, I know she doesn't mean it, but she's so mean to me. She really <laughs> says things that hurt my heart and I just have to take a minute and walk away I just take a deep breath and then I walk back into the situation. I think as humans in general, we forget to breathe a lot. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I definitely recommend remembering to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> we have seen her, like I said, on TikTok, and I'll post all of your information in the bio, because if you have not seen these videos and you have not seen these lives, you're missing out. I'm telling you right now. And I, <laughs> I popped into your live last night and it's you guys crack me up because you're just real. That's who you are. You're showing the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between. So for those who are on the live last night, it was hilarious because you're like, oh, yeah, she's coloring. She's frustrated. And she you could tell you, she was upset. But the next moment it's life come in. You're like these stupid sprinklers, piece of shit. Like you're giving <laughs> us part of your life of like this is it. Like you're either in for the ride and you better strap in or you can just be on the side of the road because you're so raw. And I love that. There's no presentation. Like you're just like, we're right here. I mean, watching you do her hair, I'm like, this is a, this is like my morning. Like I need this in my life like this. And like you said, they don't forget how to love and you can see that and you can feel that even through your lives in the video from both of you. Appreciate that. I really I'm very thankful for the bond that my grandma and I, I had at my whole entire life. And my grandma's the one who taught me to be this way. She's an Italian New Yorker. She has no filter. She's never had a filter. She speaks her mind. And we just try to be ourselves. Uh, authenticity is super important. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to pretend to be a certain way. We're not going to set up our ring light and say, this is how my grandma colors. When yeah. she's pissed off, she's pissed off. When the sprinklers are getting us all wet, <laughs> fuck, they're getting us all wet. You know, it is what it is. It's just life. And I really um, try to show that that's the whole meaning behind life with grams. Yes, it's for caregiver education and support. It's for Alzheimer's awareness. But in reality, me and my grandma have always been the best of friends. And the love and the connection is at the forefront of that. So I'm really thankful that people can respond and enjoy hanging out with us. I know we're not everyone's cup of tea, <laughs> but that's what makes us who we are. You know, um, we just show our life. Yeah. And for those that are listening, I'm intrigued on this. You just took the longest road trip possible with her. How did that go? So my grandma has always loved the car actually back in 2015 before her official diagnosis. I am the one who moved her across the country to go live with my mom. So I'm the one who helped her pack up her little Dodge Caliber. And I drove it all the way to Las Vegas. 
um, with my grandma who had dementia at the time, but we just didn't know. So that was a real wild ride. <laughs> now she's in the later stages. So honestly, she slept about half the time we were in the car. She was pretty chill. Um, we do this every year. I um, take her on a road trip every year because it's something that we've always done. And mm -hmm. so again, I really just try to keep her living the life she's always lived. Um, the way I see it or experience it is my grandma's going to flip out and call me a bitch inside of my home. And she's going to flip out and call me a bitch at the Ohio rest stop when we're trying to wash her hands, which did happen. And then she screamed, police, police. And I thought the world was going to end. So for me personally, those things are going to happen. You have to just roll with it. Um, I'm not going to let her miss out on seeing her family in New York or experiencing um, new environments because of fear for what people will think about us. Um, it is what it is. And so we just go with it and, and you just have to roll with it. Sometimes I really was nervous leaving that Ohio rest stop. Though. I was like, oh God, we're going to get pulled over. They're not going to understand. They're not going to know she has Alzheimer's. I'm going to get arrested for trying to get her to wash her hands. I just, <laughs> but again, I would rather take that little bit of anxiety and see the joy. Her spending those two days with my nephew I would do that road trip a hundred times over for just those small moments of, of special love and memories. So, yeah. So how did you figure out this diagnosis in the very beginning in the start? So there may be listeners that may be very close with their family members and they see certain little signs that pop up, but they're just unsure of like, what do I do next? Because it's always hard. They, in, in that moment where you're like, you're kind of showing some red flags, they get very defensive and very angry because they don't want to think that, okay, yes, maybe this is going on with me. I mean, I have family that's like, mm, are you sure? And then, so how did you kind of approach that in the very beginning stages. Oh yeah. And my grandma again is an Italian New Yorker. So let's emphasize the stubborn. Um, we knew something was up for years. I actually just posted a video from October of 2015 where my grandma misplaced her digital camera. And this was before we knew of Alzheimer's or dementia. I mean, her mom had Alzheimer's, so it was always something that we knew of. But when you're living in it, it's so hard to pinpoint and you don't want to pinpoint it. Um, so my grandma, for years, we knew that she could no longer live alone. She had a stroke in 2007. And after the stroke, she moved into my sister's in-law suite at her house, just so my sister could kind of keep an eye, not necessarily be her caregiver. She was still completely independent, um, but just to watch over her because we knew that things were, you know, getting worse. Um, so she lived with my sister for about five or six years. And then she started exhibiting more and more scary behaviors. My sister had just had a baby and the one, this was like the breaking factor. My grandma left the baby on a counter unattended. And that was kind of like red flag. It was like mm -hmm. a three month old baby on a counter. And so my sister was like, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do this anymore. I love grandma, but I am a new mom and I don't know what to do. And so my mother, my grandmother's daughter um, was like, I have a spare bedroom. Let's just move her to Vegas and see how she likes it. Meanwhile, my grandma had lived in New York for 78 years of her life. She never left New York. And now in the start of her dementia, which we didn't know at the time, we're moving her across the country. 
Woo! Um, <laughs> so we did that and my mom took care of her um, for about two years. But again, dementia is progressive. It's going to keep showing its ugly side. And it got to the point where my mom was like, I don't know. She just is yelling at me for every little thing. I can't do anything right. She hates me and I don't know what to do. And so it was real. We like passed my grandma along. It sounds bad, but like, at least we cared because my mom tried. And then my sister here in Chicago was like, we'll take grandma. So then we moved grandma from Vegas to Chicago. And then she was, sorry if this is a long story, but it gets to the no. point. <laughs> so <laughs> then we moved her into Chicago and she went outside in the snow with no shoes on and no coat. And that was finally like, okay, guys, we can't sugarcoat this anymore. We can't chalk it up to her being crazy old grandma. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out what's wrong. Um, and from there, she wouldn't come back in the house. So we had to call 911. And that was really how we officially got the diagnosis. Um, there are, in her, my grandma's paperwork, doctors had mentioned dementia years before this no shoes in the snow thing occurred. Um, but again, my grandma was always so physically fit and always so I'm fine. They don't know what the F they're talking about this, that, and the other thing. So it really wasn't until the explosion happened that we found out what to do now. And yeah, she got evaluated and then was diagnosed already at mid-stage dementia. And they, um, said that it was the, the areas in her brain being affected would be Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happened. <laughs> I'm totally putting you on the spot because that's what I do in this podcast. What is the most frustrating part of being a, of being a caregiver to a family member? Oh, it's definitely, um, ooh, there's so many things for me personally with the dementia. It's the fact that I don't have my true partner in crime anymore. Like she's still here. We still have fun. We still laugh all day long, but my grandma was my number one confidant growing up. She knows all of my secrets and not having that person to communicate with. It's really that loss of like, um, reminiscing and the nostalgia of it. That whole part of her life is gone from her memory. And that's really hard. Another really hard part is when she says mean things. Again, I'm human. When she calls me a bitch after I'm just trying to give her water. I'm trying to help you, girl. I'm trying to <laughs> hydrate you. And she's like, ah, get that F away from me, you bitch. I'm like, but I'm really a nice girl. So sometimes it's those things you really have to work on yourself and become a strong person and mentally capable of handling it because it can affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who follow you on Instagram, especially on your trip, we all, we all have family. I mean, there is no family that's perfect. And there is, can you please reach out to me and adopt me? Because I would love to sign up for that <laughs> moment where, you know, we're all having breakdowns and we all, we all have an expectation of our family and family events. And then when you get there, you're like, mm, yep, well, my gut told me different. I know better. Yep. Thanks a lot. <laughs> And you had a moment where you took her to a spot that was on the water that was your go-to spot. And when you're talking about those memories and you're talking about reminiscing, you still, that's the hardest, most frustrating thing. You still have that memory, but they don't. So taking her in that moment 
that was for your bond. That was for your moment. And she's still there with you. And I think that's the the biggest thing to get out, especially in this episode for someone who may be going through this in the early stages or the end stages, they're still there. You're just creating new memories and a stronger bond than what you had before. Cause I can't even imagine in that moment, you're like, I'm done. I want to leave. I want to get out of here. And this was our spit. This was our spot together. And just seeing her face. I mean, if you could have a bubble that comes out for her constantly, it'd be like, okay. And like, she's, she's <laughs> there, but you are like, this is such a good moment. She's like, mm-hmm. like, she's just sitting there. But you'll always have that memory for the rest of your life, which I think is important, like you said, to still keep going, keep the routine and keep those because you're creating that with her. Yeah. And even if she doesn't remember, she still feels it in the moment. I know that taking her to our spot and her watching the water, even if she didn't know all of the times we went there together and all the secrets we've shared in that one spot, being there with her um, was really a beautiful thing to be able to take her back when I asked you the question of like, what's the most frustrating, what are you most proud of? How far, like looking back from the very beginning, when you guys started this to now, what are you most proud of for yourself? I cry. Honestly, <laughs> my grandma has saved my whole being. She's given me a purpose. Um, I never wanted kids. I've always been a pretty selfish person. I just wanted to live my best life. Mm-hmm. And She's really just shown me how beautiful life can be when you share love and love can come in so many forms and so many ways. And so um, I'm proud of getting through it and being here and being able to share what I've learned and to connect with other people. This whole caregiving journey has truly been a blessing for me. Um, It's, Everyone always says you saved your grandma's life, taking her out of that nursing home, but she saved mine. I don't know where I would be without this journey right now. And so I'm very thankful and very proud. If we have a listener right now that may have a family member that like you, like you said in that, you know, well, my mom took her and then my sister took her and that there's nothing wrong with finding the fit. There's nothing wrong with seeing what works and what doesn't, it doesn't mean a family member is a failure. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a safe environment, but as the disease progresses, things change, environments change. So I think that's very important for listeners. If we have somebody right now, that's like, Hey, you know what? I want to be a caregiver to my family member, but I just don't know if I can do it. What would your advice be to them? Don't feel guilty. Uh, Honestly, I know that guilt. I mean, I I do take care of her, but there are still caregiver guilts that I feel. Um, The most important part is that you as a human being are happy and comfortable in your life. You don't want to be miserable. If I woke up every day and hated my life, if I truly did not want to be here, I would not be my grandma's caregiver. As much as my grandma did not want to be in a nursing home and did not want to do this, I'm still a person too. And so I think for listeners and for people who are going through it, it's a hard decision no matter what you decide to do, but the decision has to be yours and you have to be comfortable. The peanut gallery of the world has lots to say. Mm -hmm. They have lots to say no matter what you choose to do, the world is going to have an opinion. So truly the only thing that matters is you, you have to be selfish in your life. No one else is going to be selfish for you. So, um, don't break your back and don't kill yourself 
trying to take care of someone else. Um, it's a, that old age saying, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So take care of yourself um, and don't listen to other people, especially trolls on the internet. <laughs> I was going to ask, being so open with this on social media and of all places, TikTok, I mean, I swear, when you go live, like you said, there's always somebody who has an opinion. There's always somebody that's like a doctor who knows a doctor and you're not doing this right. And how dare you? Like, you could be sitting there and like that with the lotion. Like when I saw that video, I was like, I have to go to this comment section. I have to see how outrageous people are because no one is perfect. She's not perfect. You're not perfect. Things happen. It's almost like I, I always grew up same selfish. Like I don't want kids. I'll have my dog. We'll call it a day. I want to do my own thing, but they revert back to toddler. There is absolutely no rule book for children. So there's no rule book for this either. So being vulnerable on social media, how do you interact with these people who literally are like telling you what to do for your loved one. Like, you know her. I mean, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I've been doing it for five years, too. <laughs> a lot of people, like, will watch five minutes of my video and want to tell me all of the things that they did. And unsolicited advice in this world right now is detrimental to people. No one wants to hear what you did and what worked for you when you don't know me. Um, I definitely don't handle the trolls as well as I should. I do go to therapy though. My therapist knows all about you guys, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you really, you just can't take it to heart. Um, again, going back to just the self-confidence in yourself and, and knowing who you are. I know who I am. I know the care that I provide. I know my grandma. If you got something to say about it, it says more about you than it does about me. So keep living your life. And worry about yourself, because I guarantee the people who have the most to say, if they were sharing their journey, that's probably why they're not. <laughs> because exactly. they know that they're not perfect. Yes. It's always the people without a profile picture or with no, no followers mm -hmm. who just want to get a rise out of people. You know, um, TikTok is really toxic. Um but it's also beautiful. That's why I'm still on it because the connections that I make on a daily basis outweigh the negativity. There's always going to be negativity. So you just got to tell them, keep it moving, keep it moving. <laughs> does she know, does she, I mean, have you had conversations? Like, does she know how viral she is? I, like you had the video of her, like on the news where you're like, she kind of like recognized, but not really. So like, does she know how much of an impact that she is making in this world? So last year when we first started going on TikTok, we've only been on TikTok for a year now. And last year she had a little bit more understanding. Like there was about 500 people in our chat. And I was like, Mary, there's 500 people talking to you. And she was like, what? What do they want to talk to me for? So now as we're getting more viral and more not noticed, um, she doesn't. She doesn't quite understand the people in the phone anymore. Uh, but we did have discussions before her disease progressed. I started our Instagram in 2017. Um, I didn't have a big following like TikTok, but she knew people were watching her and she was happy to share and she is happy to share. Um, I know she's not able to communicate that with me anymore, but I know my grandma and I know what we've discussed in the past. And so I know that if she knew 
that we have 340,000 people that watch her on a daily basis, she would be blown away. She always called herself the movie star. She always thought she was Miss Thing. So um, this is very fitting for her. (laughs) Well, she is for sure. I always love how you redirect. So even on lives, it's something you said, do not feel guilty and you redirect her. So instead of becoming frustrated, and I'm sure that's amazingly hard not to get in that moment, especially when you're on live. I mean, you have thousands of people watching you at a time. You're being judged. She's being judged. New people are coming in of like, oh, what's, I mean, I sit there and what's wrong with her? There's nothing (laughs) wrong with her. She's still a person. Like where did the love come from versus the judgment and like, let me change your life. So I love how on lives you redirect and you redirect, but you are allowing her to still be herself. And I think that's so crucial for everyone to see that it's okay. Like in that rest stop, it's okay. She's going to have moments. That's okay. It doesn't reflect on you. It's just part of the journey. And then you just keep moving. Exactly. I think that's a really important part. It doesn't reflect your level of care. This disease is going to progress So you cannot feel guilty. Um, There are so many amazing accounts now of caregivers on Instagram and TikTok and just watching other people. You you learn and you grow and you realize that you're going to make mistakes. Caregiving for a loved one with dementia is trial and error. Like I said, some things work today that won't work tomorrow. So you really just have to know that you're waking up every day and you're doing your best. And that's all you can do. Mm Mm-hmm. So to end this segment, what is your favorite thing that she does or she says or something like, because with this progressive disease comes humor and it's okay to laugh through the hard times. It's okay to laugh through the pain or the frustration. So what is something that you're just like, every time she says it, like, I just, this came out of nowhere and I adore her. Like there's gotta be some little things that she does now. Oh, my favorite is her flirtation with men. So my whole life, she hated men. Don't look at me. That was like, she hated men. And now anytime there is a man present, no matter who they are, what they are, where they are, she's, hey, rubbing on the chest. How are you, honey? How's it going? And I just love it. I The little flirtation inside of her is so fun. Uh, another one of my favorite things is, the ability for us to just laugh uncontrollably. Um, It's a bond that we've had my whole life. We get each other going. I can just start laughing and she'll laugh and we'll go on for about 10 minutes. And it's beautiful and therapeutic for both of us. It feels good. Yeah. Well, she's a movie star now. So she's making sure that she has all the men lined up. They're all (laughs) ready to go. She is living her best life. Um, I want to say from one female to another, I am so proud of everything that you are doing. And I'm so proud of your vulnerability and you showing the good, the bad, the ugly, and especially in a society that perfection is to be achieved all the time. So I love what you're doing and allowing her to have a voice when she doesn't have a complete voice in one sentence. And you're allowing her to be herself and people love and adore her. And I'm just, I love that you're allowing people in because the day-to-day, I can't imagine what you go through, but at the end of the day, like you have to just sit there and be like, I did this and we did this. And that's, what's most important. Cause that bond is still there. It is. And it feels good. 
Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on today. I will let you get back to her and your day. Um, again, you guys are amazing. And I will put all of your information in the bio so everyone can check out your story. Pop in a live. If you're not going to be supportive, you can sit there quietly. Like, because I will <laughs> probably be sitting in there and I'm going to start tagging you and say, hey, did you listen? Did you listen to our question? <laughs> Um, cause I'm very sassy and I'm always one that believes that this social media can connect people in a way that we've never had before and love and support each other. It only takes a second. Don't be ugly. Cause I'll be in there and I'm going to, I'm going to get after you, but it costs th- nothing to be kind. Exactly. Thank you for coming on. We'll share all your information and I cannot wait to see what is coming up next with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.